Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all, as always, a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever and wherever you tune in to our podcast from. And I'm delighted to say, as I have so often in recent weeks been able to say, is that we go transatlantic again. And I think there must be something in the water, if you excuse the pun, um, after Event Tech Live USA and Canada, that we've got all these fabulous guests that have been joining us from the States in recent weeks on the podcast. Um, and great to have a guest who not only is joining us transatlantic, but was also a guest at Event Tech Live USA Canada just a few weeks ago. Josh Hotson-Pillar joins us today. Josh is the ho- uh, is the CEO of Juno Live and joins us from a glorious San Diego on this fine morning. Josh, great to have you here and welcome to the podcast. Oh, great to be here, James. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, good to see you again because you and I uh, had the pleasure of, of seeing each other again. I say unfortunately, but you know, down a video uh, link a few weeks ago at Event Tech really? Live USA Canada. You were uh, very generous in joining us on one of our uh, sessions there um, and talking to our audience. Um, good to have you back here. Just a quick reflection on it on, on Event Tech Live. You know, it was our first time um, delivering that. Uh, event to the to the USA and Canadian mm. audience and 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 you know really linking up I suppose a number of uh, different locations around the world what what's your reflections on that event yeah you know it's it's funny you, you uh I like what just happened right there because you said you know unfortunately we had to meet on video and we got to expand our audience so there's nothing unfortunate about expanding your message and your value to people and I think when I reflect on what's going on uh with that event and the world, uh, what an exciting time it is to remove boundaries, uh, physical and perceived, uh, to create new connections and new relationships and new knowledge transfer. And so my reflection is uh, how exciting it is to be in a world that is removing boundaries. Uh, and I want to continue to see events do that. I want to continue to see people do that. And that's something that at Juno we're so excited about is the notion and the belief and the vision of removing boundaries. Absolutely. If you want to get in touch, we'll throw this out at the beginning of the show at Event News Blog is us on Twitter. And of course, eventindustrynews.com is uh, is the website. And uh, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter, particularly if you've got any thoughts and comments for any of the guests that you hear on uh, on our podcast, particularly some of the recent episodes. We've had some superb guests in recent weeks on the podcast. So do get in touch if you've got anything to say. And Josh joins us today um, to, to talk about something that Juno Live have put out recently. And I'm looking at this very document in front of me on my iPad at the moment and it all events are hybrid a planning workbook this looks like something Josh that a lot of thought a lot of time a lot of effort has gone into it's been very very well laid out it's it's thoughtful it's concise um talk us through some of the thinking behind it before we delve into some of the content yeah look I think um everybody this is a this is a new game right there's a, there's a new game being played and we need to understand the, the playbook and the workbook to play it. Mm-hmm. And you know, every, uh, every, you know, growing up in the States, uh, you know, we play American football uh, or basketball and we would get, you know, our playbook. And every, every Monday we'd get the playbook and the idea was to learn the plays so that we could rehearse them in our mind, mm-hmm. so that we could see them played out, so that we'd be ready to do it in game time. And I think it's important for us to understand that we're playing a new game. Uh, we need to be very thoughtful about what execution looks like, and we need to begin to rehearse execution and the steps needed to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can kind of see like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I, I see the play, but I need to begin to think about how I'm going to execute it. There's a very big difference uh, between knowing what needs to be done 
and doing what needs to be done. Mm. And that's the important gap that, that we've got to close as leaders and as individuals is there's, there's a no and there's a do. Uh, and we got to get really good at closing that gap. The sports analogy is always a great one. And um, the, the first word that sp springs to mind there for me is variables. You know, mm. if you think about a playbook in sports, you know, you have to have that playbook because you're not you won't know until the game begins and until you get into that game and to various stages of it, what scenario you are facing. Yep. Are you going to be up? Are you going to be down? Is the game going to be tied? You know, what is the right play to call? And I guess that for, for most of us uh, a, a year ago, there was no playbook, mm. you know, there was no playbook. Um, and now we are having to work in a scenario, particularly at the moment, where there are a lot of variables. Things can change week to week, day to day, hour to hour. And you've got to have that playbook ready, haven't you, to be able to adapt your events quickly? Well, you do. And, I, you know, one thing that I've heard over and over and over again from all sorts of leaders is, you know, we've been saying this for a long time. We've been saying we need uh, a good hybrid experience. We've been saying we need to do this. And then it comes. And I think about how many times in our lives that we know, you know, I've been saying I need to do this and I didn't do it. And then the moment comes. And so I think it's also a time for us to go, what do we need to be thinking about? We don't want to regress. That's not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. We want to, we want to have progress. And so what are those things that we need to be looking at and saying, well, we're not going to say we need to be doing better at this we're going to be better at it. And so one of the big things that I'm challenging folks on is we live in an and world now. Um, you know, it, it, we kind of think, well, is it going to be physical or virtual hybrid? We don't live in an or world anymore. We live in an and world and we need to get great at two things. Um, and again, that's not a bad thing. Uh, look at this relationship you and I are having right now. Absolutely. Look at what we talked about transatlantic and, you know, all these new relationships that you have. How is that bad? How is that bad for your business? How is that bad for your impact? How is that bad for you? It's not. And world is a great thing. We just have to demand of ourselves that we lead in an and world. Well, to, to, to me as well, that this sort of opportunity that we've been presented with here, it, it's an education uh, opportunity. It's a learning opportunity. You know, it, it, the idea of going to events has always been to learn and to share knowledge and to, you know, develop new ideas, um, new techniques, new skills, mm. new practices. And I think that's just even more available now that we've got the opportunity not just to speak to people in our industry but to speak to people who are in our industry but thousands of miles away doing it in a completely different environment with completely different audiences um i i love get, get moving on to this this um fantastic sort of i know you referred to playbook but this is called a planning workbook that mm -hmm. um that juno live have developed and uh the second page in there has just got five steps it's got five processes and it's called st start strategically for hybrid events but there are five key steps empathize define ideate execute optimize how how much thinking went behind getting everything condensed i suppose essentially into five key areas yeah look i i'm just going to key on the first one and then if you want to unpack any other ones we please can. do yeah yeah i think um empathy uh is something that is misunderstood in in two schools of thought one is um, it can be too soft and one, it can be too irrelevant and, 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 and neither one of those are as appropriate. We've got to understand the power of empathy because when we understand the power of empathy, we can begin to look at problems from a different direction. And so often when we have a challenge or a problem, you know, we we're trying to solve it through our own lens 
not through looking at it through the lens of somebody else. And so um, exactly what we just talked about a second ago, you know, like who do you know that wants to network three or four days a year? And then that's it. Who do you know that wants to learn something new three or four days or six or seven days a year? And then that's <laughs> it. You know, no one. And so what do people want to do? You know, with any event, there's two things that they're coming to do, network and learn. I mean, that's the value proposition. And so when we start to empathize and go, gosh, how these folks that are that are spending money with us that are part of our world, they want two things from us. And how can we begin to empathize for them on how difficult it is to, to connect, to how difficult it is to learn, and how can we begin to bring solutions to help them out? So I think when we think about empathy, it allows us to see the opportunities through the lens of somebody else, and it begins to open our minds into better leadership. Mm. There's, there's so much that we could talk about today. I'm looking through the document as as we're chatting right now, Josh. Um, and it's it's, it's 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 almost a shame that we can't you know really really go into it. But one thing I like, and one thing that I think will really benefit people who are utilizing this as a tool, is it's old school in the sense that there are answer sections. There are mm. literally spaces in this yeah. document. This is not telling people how to do it. This is something that people can print out, put on a clipboard, put on their desk and physically write on it, put their answers, read the questions, think yeah. to themselves and then put what will work for them and their audiences. This is a questionnaire. This is fact finding about your own event. That's right. You know, it's interesting. I, I had a, a gentleman call me yesterday and he was uh, in a bit of a, a leadership uh, challenge crisis. And he was, he was sharing with me all of his feelings, all of his, all of his threats and I said to him, why don't you stop, grab a piece of paper and actually write down the things that you're feeling and then begin to draft solutions to them. And, and one of the things that I think happens too often is we don't do the work of solving the problem. We do the work of, of exacerbating the problem. And we do the work mm -hmm. of making the problem bigger than it is versus doing the work of making the problem smaller than it is. And one of the things that that I'm even learning in this season, James, of, of, of leading a new company, uh, you know, Juno uh, came out of the pandemic um, and grew very quickly, mm. which then offers a ton of challenges. And what I have found is the best way to fix a challenge is to make it smaller, not make it bigger. Uh, and so with these workbooks, the idea is to sit down and make the challenge or opportunity smaller. Okay, I need this is the thing I need to do. I need to do, you know, it's old school. It is, it is writing down those those tasks, those actions, and then executing them versus paralysis by analysis uh, and getting in that mode. So I, I do encourage folks to, whether it's this workbook, whether it's something else, whether it's just a notebook and a piece of paper where you write down, this is my challenge, this is how I make it smaller. Does that make sense? A absolutely it does, you know, and and I, I can I can equate to that, you know. I'm sat right now with a you know a microphone and a digital interface and a laptop and an iPad and a wireless keyboard. But the one thing that I couldn't work without when I'm doing these is a notepad and a pen sat here. Yeah, yeah. And as I'm listening to people, I scribble things down. I write little notes, one word prompts yeah. that I think, right, this that could be relevant. And by yeah. the end of it, I've got this full piece of paper, you know, with all the notes and everything, everything on there. And I, and I couldn't survive without that. And I suppose it's that dichotomy between the old way of working and the new way of working and how 
we sometimes get caught up in this in the in the digital age that we do need to sometimes take a step back and ironically to say that we're now working with digital platforms and hybrid events will utilize all this technology we a, a, a simplistic step back approach actually could could yield a lot of good benefits well let's go back to what we said earlier james we live in an and world and i think people that that live in or worlds uh, you know, this or that um, versus this and that mm-hmm. always miss um, the fullness of the opportunity. And uh, this is just another example. We live in an and world. We live in a world where we can sit here and see each other and, and, and emotionally connect and laugh and then write down pieces of paper. So I just think we got to keep pushing the, the notion of and and explore what's on the other side of both of those ands. Mm. How did you... Um get the information behind some of those ands in order to put this book together, to put this document together. Because as we've alluded to, we've had a relatively short period of time to adapt, to develop this way of thinking. Um, you know, we're, we're 14, 15 months now into into the mm. pandemic, you know, from ground zero. How easy or difficult was it to actually source and get research for this, speak to organizers, find out what they were doing in order to make sure that what you were putting into this document was relevant and did relate to what people were doing in the real world? You know, I think um, I always say to my team, you know, I don't wear a cape. You know, I'm not Superman. And I think, um, I just say it again, and uh, it's it's co-creating with every We are learning at the speed of the team. I don't just mean the team of Juno, you know, I mean, this the team of the industry. I mean, every single person that is learning and knowledge transferring is, is uh, playing the role in the advancement. You know, it's funny when we first started um, Juno, I would kind of laugh to our team and I was like, listen, this company as quick as it came might go. I just have no idea. I mean, I just don't, you know, I mean, I really don't. We started it in the pandemic because there was a need and gosh, what happens maybe when the pandemic ends, it's over. I don't know. Um, and I remember around, um, it must've been around January, February, I really started telling our team, you know, we, we were in community software for the last nine years. We've been building community software for different organizations. And so we added virtual to it, but community has always been a thing. And I, I told the team, we got into this. I don't want to build an event software I want to build a community software that has events in it. And I wondered, I, I, I heard people saying, oh, we're just trying to get back to normal. We're just going to get back to physical. And I started going, this, this is not going to be good for, for our company. And then just as quick as, as that happened, you started seeing every one of our competition as well, uh, all start to talk about community. And all of a sudden now our, our clients were coming back saying, how do we do this year round? How do we do this year round? And you realize, man, you are educating each other together. You are learning this together. Mm. And I think for us to answer your question, we listened a lot. Um, we listened a lot and we listened a lot and we listened a lot and then we shared a lot. And uh, I think ultimately we are all learning at the speed of everyone who's willing to listen. Absolutely. I think one thing that people um, picked up on quickly was that if you or I decided next week, right, we're going to host a physical event we have to have an audience there to justify running that event. Sure. You know, you don't book a band and a venue and then allow that gig to go ahead. If there's no one in the audience, you know, it just, just wouldn't happen. Right. 
uh, and le- less likely is for it to go ahead with two or three people sat there in a room that can hold 1500 and yet what we've realized in the last 12 months actually is that you can put an event for three or four people quickly you can decide tomorrow I've got some people here that want to meet up and they want to discuss this and they want to talk about that. Right. Great. Let's get the platform on. There's no, there's actually nothing to stop you running an event for 10 people as, as little as there is to stop you running an event for 10,000 people now. And I think that's, that's one of the real opportunities that has sprung out of this is smaller, frequent events that can be put together quickly. It's amazing. And it's um, look, there's going to be, I was just talking to one of my buddies last night. He went to Hawaii with his family and he's like, Josh, it's like, it's not even affordable, you know, to go places right now. I mean, the airline tickets, rental cars, food, it's, you know, there are some challenges just because things are open. Doesn't mean they're affordable. Doesn't mean they're available. And I think that there's, that's to your point, it's going to be, there is going to be, we have to stay, you know, Swiss army knife. As I say, we've got to have more than one tool, Uh, in our knife. And so, yes, we're going to hold events. Yes, there might not be as many people there. Yes, we can spin up things real quick. Yes, people want to connect. One of the things we talked so much about is user-generated content. I mean, think about how how awesome it is right now that we can host an event. This is just user-generated content right now, right? All you and I are doing is having a 30-minute conversation. It's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a pound of flesh out of us to do it. And it, it didn't cost a bunch of money to do it. And you're providing more value and utility for the people that are in your world. Well, this is awesome. And so we're, we have an opportunity now to create horizontal learning, not just top down. We have the ability now to create user-generated content that goes on demand to our people. And we can do it instantaneously all the time. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful time in life. It's breaking down the, um, the barriers and I suppose the, the vertical strands of pigeonholing certain elements of content we're calling this a podcast today but you and i are talking down a video link that people are listening into or watching into in very much the same way as they were watching event tech live but that was a virtual three-day conference well was it a virtual three-day conference or was it just 80 podcasts back to back exactly exactly no and it's again removing boundaries is the future of the world and i we i say this i want to bring back to it is Physical and perceived boundaries have the opportunity in the future to be removed. What do I mean by that? Well, the physical ones are obvious. We're doing it right now, right? You're in UK, I'm in San Diego, and we're having a conversation like I would with an employee that's in San Diego, Hmm. who we're just, you know, talking strategy with or whatever it might be. The other one is perceived. And this is stuff that we're excited about with Juno. When you start to look at um, matchmaking, AI engines, different things that are going on that we've built into our product. You know, when you go to a physical event, you might look over and go, oh, I would have nothing in common with that person. You've perceived that for whatever reason, because that's human nature. You know, we kind of frame people and and perceive if we have something in common with them now. What's cool about software now is is it pushes you and goes, hey, here's 15 people you actually have things in common with because of the way that you've declared your interests or because the discovered interest that you've had We've got a profile now on you and we've now removed the perceived boundaries. So when I look at the future and go, man, we get to live in a world that's removing boundaries. This is a powerful opportunity. 
Mm. And, and none more so from a boundary point of view than that than you know the, the workplace scenario and what is the workplace now and interestingly in the um in the planning workbook there's a, a statistic there from deloitte a deloitte study shows 61 percent of executives are focusing on reimagining work achieving new or different work outcomes with new combination of technology and people and that's just a reflection on on what you were saying you know boundaries you know the there were companies who 12 months ago said absolutely no way are our staff working from home. We want them in the office every day. We need to see them. We need to we need that Monday morning staff meeting. We yep. need to brief them all. And of course, 12 months on, companies are closing down office space because they've realized actually with that little bit of trust, that little leap of faith, they can actually operate pretty efficiently using what they've got, which is an internet connection and a laptop. You know, I was... Uh... I was a diehard work guy in the office. I, I was the first one in. I, um, you know, I, I would I would go in sick, uh, you know, just because I wanted to set the culture tone uh, and everything else. And you know, looking back, and now I'll tell you right now, we closed our office. My employees were like, "Dude, I'm not coming back. Like, if you're gonna make me come back, I'm gonna find a new job." And I'm going. I don't want to go back. You know, as a, as a as a father of two boys, um, I can be an incredibly stressful moment. And behind me, they're swimming and I see laughter and joy in their hearts. And I, that transfers to me and I get to have that. And, you know, I don't, I, I've never worked harder. I've never achieved more outcomes than I have over the last year, obviously starting Juno. And then I've, yeah. you know, I've, we, we have new leadership in the companies I, I was running, but now, you know, I'm, but yet I'm right here. I'm, I'm sitting here in, in my home and with my family and I'm executing a high level and I, I'm meeting new friends. I'm meeting new, having more, I've never had more new relationships in, in, in a, in a 16 month period than I have right now. Um, so it, the world has been, is being reimagined. We're on the front end of it. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see how it all settles out and what an exciting time for the meetings and, and, and workspace to go, gosh, again, who doesn't want to meet more people and learn more things? Mm. That's the opportunity we have in front of us to facilitate that. I know we've been talking about this planning workbook today, but it would be unfair not to to delve a little bit deeper into Juno Live and talk about you know what what you've achieved in in, in the last twelve months and where you hope to go in the next twelve months. Um, just to just tell us a little bit about how the platform has changed from you know when the button was pushed to, to, to go live, you know, and, um, and how things have developed since you've been able to, I guess, garner some, some useful feedback from users as well. Oh my gosh. You know, we, so we, we started, you know, with, um, you know, just getting streaming, put it into kind of like a community platform. Mm -hmm. um, we do uh, every two weeks, we do software releases. So our software gets a new version every two weeks. So you can imagine how much iteration is happening when you're doing, you know, uh, bi-monthly release schedules. Um, the biggest thing that we really evolved in was what we call human interest modeling. And we built a, a, a model that would help uh, create uh, f engagement flywheels. So here's really what it comes down to. Every platform starts off with a basic profile, right? Name, email, maybe mm -hmm. location. And then what we, we do is we ask people to declare what they're interested in. You know, I'm interested in, in, in leadership, wine, and mountain biking. I don't know. You know whatever, <laughs> whatever the client kind of is relevant to what they're doing. Then what we do with, through gamification and AI is we start to push them to discover new things. 
And as they declare, these tags go on their profile. And then as they discover new things, those tags go on their digital profile. And then we begin to push them three things, content, experiences, and people. Hey, based on what you've declared in your discovery and that you like, you, we think you would like this person or this piece of content or this experience. And when we get them in that flywheel, they start to engage in more things. And now we've got a 360 profile on where we can start to create network effect inside the platform. This, that's all modeling and strategy, uh, both human-centric design mm -hmm. uh, and software to create a more robust experience for platforms. None of that existed when we started, but we begin to learn and, and architect out how we wanted our platform to work. And so human interest modeling is a big part of our IP and the way that we, we work and, and lead our, our, our uh, platform. It's, it's interesting that you said a, a little while ago that when you started it, you know, you said this could be a short term, you know, we don't know when this is going to end. Um, I, I think it would be foolish now to not admit that this is going to be here to stay for the long term. This this type of and regardless if we go back to live and we will do, because as was mentioned at Event Tech Live by a number of our panelists, that there are certain industries, certain events, certain audiences that are served by live events that you just cannot replicate in a, no. in a virtual scenario. But for every one of those, there are multiple events that you can do in a virtual platform. Um, and and I, I think this is here to, it, it, it is here to stay. And I think people, people have realized that. And um, are you a little bit more stable now in your own thinking where you actually looking ahead, you think this is not just a short term fix. This is something actually that I'm really pleased we did. I am, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with um, the space. I'm pleased with the, the future opportunity. Um, you can see it. I mean, our, my email blows up all week long with um, VCs and PEs and uh, consolidators. Hey, we want to buy Juno. We want to invest in Juno. I mean, you realize that, 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 that capital is being poured into this space mm. um, and, um, and, and, and partners are helping you co-create the product. Um, and I am, I mean, you know, you, you want, there's, I always tell my team this, there's two things that, that you know, for sure. Uh, number one, um, you can't take anything with you. And number two, you're not promised tomorrow. So there's certain things about life that you just have to accept that, man, nobody's promised tomorrow and you can't take anything with you. So I think you always try to walk through life with an open hand because mm -hmm. you just don't know. Um, but I do know that, that there continues to be uh, great interest. In, and, and, and I really do believe, and I'm, I'm confident in the future is a 365 platform where you said it best, man, we're going to stand these opportunities up all the time for people to share ideas, network, horizontal learning, and, uh, and really add more value to our, our industries. And as it says in your, um, in, in the, in the workbook, build bridges is that there's a great diagram in there and graphic and, and, and there's three, three types, in-person bridges, digital bridges, hybrid cross-channel bridges. And there's a great little graphic and I, I love a graphic and I've said this on the podcast yeah. before you know something that visually represents what somebody's yeah. thinking is, is a great way of learning and conveying a message and um, and that's ultimately what we're talking about isn't it we're, we're, events have always been about building bridges that's right we just have to maybe take a step back at the moment and consider how we build those bridges well we we rem we, we build bridges when we remove boundaries that's what bridges do right mm -hmm. and so when you think about a, a chasm between two things and you go, well, there's, there's a boundary there of space, which makes means I can't get from here to here. But what we're now able to do and in, in, in digitally powered is create a bridge. And even if it's physical, it's 
you know, we're, we're launching our companion app this fall that'll seamlessly integrate into the platform. And that app can say, hey, you're physically at this location. And so is this other person that you have something in common with. And so we've built a bridge, even if I'm physical. Or here's somebody overseas that you should connect with. Um, or the conference is over. Here's people you should connect with. So mm. the, more, the more we build bridges, uh, the more we will connect and educate people. What what I, I love coming back to is the um, is the title at the front. All events are hybrid, and I thought I gave this some thought um, the other day. Just just think back to the dawn of the internet and websites, mm. okay? And an event, a big event, you know, a trade show or an expo or something, decides we're going to get a website. Right? Yeah, that would have been the first example, really, of an event going hybrid. Yep. You're right. Because at that point, then, what are they going to use the website for? Were they going to use it to promote the show? They're going to use it to put preview content about their speakers, preview content about the exhibitors are going to be there. They're going to use it as a tool to engage with their audience to make their time at the show or whatever that event is a better experience. So from the very first website that an event utilized, that would have been a hybrid event. And yet we would never consider just having a website to, to be hybrid. It just became part and parcel of what an event needed That's to right. operate. And I think that sooner or later, we will realize that what we've adopted in the last 12 months, at the moment, we're calling it hybrid. We're calling it lots of different terms. But I think in two, three, four years time, it will just be part and parcel of what an event is. That's right. It. Yeah, I, I, it's. I don't even think it'll be that long. Uh, you know what I mean? I think now it's, it's, it's uh, a staple. What I think it's going to do is, is, um, it will be so. I think the point you're making is it's, it's so seamless. Right yeah. now, it's, it's, a, it feels a bit disparate. You know, is like, does this go at the same time? Does it go at a different time? Is it, you know, who runs it? And, and, and I think it's going to be so integrated. Uh, to your point that you won't know where one starts and where one ends uh, just mm. like a website is just a part of a brand the, the last thing I wanted to to, to just touch on today um, before we wrap up Josh is a great bit in the workbook which literally just gives you questions to answer about your tech partners mm. what do they provide you know uh, does your digital platform allow for interaction does it support sponsor engagement? Does your mm. platform create exhibitor matches? You know, I, I think actually with all of the smoke that's out there now and all of the noise that comes off of the internet and the amount of research that somebody could do in searching yeah. for a platform, having a really simple checklist to just go through and say, does it tickle these boxes? Yep. Is perhaps worth a lot more than people at the moment are giving credit for. Well, I think, you know, we, we said this a little bit ago with, with, the, with the pen and paper. Um, we, and, and we've got to look at the challenge and make it smaller, not look at the challenge and make it bigger. And we go right back to this of saying, um, find a partner uh, that helps guide you through the process. Have a partner that's thinking, you know, there's a saying here from a famous hockey player here in the United States, Wayne Gretzky. Skate of course, where, Wayne Gretzky, yeah. There you go. Uh, skate to where the puck is going not where it was. And I really believe that, that the leaders in this space will be the ones that skate to where the puck is going, not trying to hang back to where it was. And so find a partner that has vision for the future, uh, that has vision for your future, um, and go create the future together. Absolutely. And in the same way as hockey, then you know it's moving fast. Things are moving quickly at the moment. And yep. 
by the time you've decided that you're going to do what somebody was doing now and think we're going to do what they're doing now and we're going to try and emulate what they're doing this week, by the time you've developed it and put it out there, the company that you're trying to emulate this week will be five or six, ten stages further on. You know, one of our uh, senior team members, we we had a kind of a deck on some stuff and they were like, well, we shouldn't share that out there. And I'm like, man, by the time somebody (laughs) catches up to what we've built, that's not even real. I mean, we've already added so many more layers to where we're going. Um, so I'm, I think it's, it's, it's heads down. It skates where the puck is going. Um, and, and I know where the puck is going. It's, it's extended learning. It's extended matchmaking. It's a year round connection. So many of our clients are coming to us going, we want to consolidate our platforms. We want to move into the next generation of engagement. And that's where Juno's skating. Absolutely. We've been joined on the podcast today by Josh Hotzenpiller. Josh is the CEO and founder of Juno. And we've been talking today about a fabulous um, document, workbook, manual, call it what you will. Um, but it's worth checking out. All events are hybrid. A planning workbook by Juno is available at junolive.com. Um, final word to you, Josh, before we wrap up today. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, find out more about Juno Live, how do they do that? Yeah, listen, go to Juno Live. You can you can do a, watch a video demo. You can reach out to any of our account executives to just share your vision for your event. Um, follow me on LinkedIn. I'd love to meet you and see you on there. And you know, we share different things. Follow us on 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 LinkedIn on Juno or Juno on LinkedIn. And so it's a great place to find us. Also on Instagram, Juno Live. Um, and we'd love just to hear your story, your mission, your vision, um, and continue to grow with you. Fantastic. It's been great to uh, great to see you again. Thanks for, for taking the time to join us at the start of what looks like another beautiful Californian day. And, uh, and as I wrap up at the end of another busy week here in the UK on a Friday afternoon, it's nearly time to open a beer, I think. There you uh, go. It's like nearly that. time to do so. If you're watching today's podcast on eventsindustrynews.com, don't forget to head over to your favourite podcast platform where you can listen to audio versions of all the 250-something episodes of the Event Industry News podcast recent and of course going back the last four or five years that we've been doing them loads of different content on there Um, and of course uh, if you are listening to this already on one of those podcast platforms head over to eventindustrynews.com for all the latest news features and to find out what's happening in the industry not just here in the uk but of course internationally with our friends over in north america our friends in asia and the pacific and all over the world now and that big community that we've been fortunate enough to be part of over the last 12 months as josh has alluded to in today's podcast you know we can connect anywhere in the world nowadays and it's expanding everybody's knowledge base josh been great to see you it's been great to have you on the podcast join us again sometime we'd love to stay up to date with what you guys are doing with juno get your thoughts on uh, on some of the other subjects and uh, i'm sure we'll see you back here again very soon And to all of our podcast listeners, thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye.